I have a dream that all men are created equal. Story. This is episode 11. Yourstorypodcast.com. That's the address. That's where you can find the email links. That's where you can make comments. You can also get the links to the iTunes and to get the feeds as well. I'd love to hear from you. Know that you're out there. I know some of you are out there because I can see the feeds going out. I know some people are listening to this. The music's from IOTA Promo Net. Uh, there are links also at the bottom of the post that will give you connection through to the music if you like it. There's also other music. With IOTA Promo Net, each album only has one or two tracks that I have access to, so there are many other tracks on the albums uh, that I don't have access to that you can actually buy. So if you like one tune, there might be several more on the album. Before I get into this, I just want to explain to you that I had a bit of a technical problem. I was recording the episode, and unfortunately my memory card filled up, and it filled up just before we did our little sign-off. So I got all the, the guts of the information, but unfortunately we didn't get the uh, finish, the nice little tail ending. So it ends rather abruptly, and I actually chose not to come back in and basically end off because I wanted to leave the conversation with the important things rather than me rambling on at the end. So I'd just like to apologise for that. These technical things are going to come up from time to time. It's just the way it is, the nature of the beast, isn't it? One man, way back in episode 6 after I did the episode with him, he encouraged me to come back to Sydney and meet a few more people that he could put me on to. One knows a lot of people and he thought that maybe I might be interested in some of their stories. Well, this is one of those stories. He took me around to this small, immaculate, little tiny bedsit and introduced me to Jenny. Jenny's an, intre- uh, an attractive, intelligent young woman who goes to university and lives by herself and is completely independent. But unfortunately, she's got chronic fatigue syndrome. And if you've ever met anybody with chronic fatigue, you'll understand that it's quite a debilitating condition. She was keen for me to come around and come onto the show so that she could explain what life is like for her and the challenges that comes with it. But she also wants to do it so that we can empathise with what it's like for people in her situation. She's motivated, she's stimulated, she's positive, she's got this vibrancy about her, she's not letting this thing knock her down. But she has to accept that it's there, and the way that she still goes on with her life is quite inspiring. It reminds me of how fortunate I am and how fortunate most of us are, but when you walk through the streets, you sometimes look at people and you see them do something that may be a little bit odd, but we are sometimes a little bit fast to be critical of them, aren't we? And you never know what pain might be going on in the background, even though they look perfectly okay. This is what I learnt from Jenny. And this is Jenny's story. It's a beautiful sunny day here today, uh, and I'm sitting in 
Jenny's unit. Yeah. And I've been asked to come around and get your story. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know anything about you, Jenny. Wines introduced me to you, what, 10 minutes ago? Yeah. I know nothing about you, but he reckons that you're worth talking to because you've got something. So tell me a story. Um, my full name is Jennifer Rosemary Tomlinson. I've been living in this unit for just on a year now. Um, I go to Sydney University as a part-time student. I'll be in my fifth year. Um, what are you studying? I'm studying English and the history and philosophy of science. Most people don't remember that in full, so we just call it HPS. What is the history, history and, and philosophy, philosophy of, of science? science? Um... It's a few things. It's a rather small department at the university that deals with a few different subjects. Um, one of them's quite big, bioethics. Um, a lot of the people from around Australia that you might hear, I don't know, on the radio or see them on TV in a newspaper talking about bioethics, bioethical questions sort of like stem cell research, that sort of thing. Sure. They'll be from Sydney Uni. Okay. Um, but my area is slightly different. I'm also a research assistant in that area, and I'm dealing largely with the 17th century, which is when they say the scientific revolution occurred. And <laughs> there's some dispute as to whether or not it was a revolution, but people more or less agree that that's when modern science began. And I've been sick for, I don't know, maybe three years this year. Um, so it was it was right near the start of my degree and I had to scale back. So I scaled back to arts and one of the subjects that I could carry over from science to arts was the history and philosophy of science, which I... I don't know. I, I chose because it sounded interesting, but I had no idea what it was okay, before so, I started it. So you're like me five minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> when you started it. Yeah. You had no idea. No idea. I'll do this subject. Thank you very much. It, it sounds me. good. You know, history, philosophy, science, that covers yeah. everything. Which bit enticed you the most? Science, history, or the philosophy? Uh, hard to say. Um, really hard to say. Because I really do love history, but frequently I find it's not analytical enough. And so the philosophical aspect really changes the kind of work and writing and the reading that you do, your approach, when you go into it. And so a lot of people, they don't have and the philosophy. They keep it in separate departments. They don't have... So Sydney's kind of unique. So the philosophy ties it all together. Yeah. Makes it one whole... Yeah, definitely, okay. for me. Okay. And, and that's why I started doing the research as well. I did really well in my courses because I love them so much. I started ignoring my other courses because I, I liked it so much. I found something that I kind of clicked with and I hadn't clicked with before. So when I, um, when I got sick and my teacher realised that I'd probably have to leave uni um, if I wanted to be well and to support myself. Uh, he said, I'll give you work. 
so long as you stay a student. Right. Which was amazing because not yeah. many people are willing to do that kind of thing. And um, I don't think many people get to be sponsored or mentored so much these days. I mean, that's speculation on my part. He, um, he must have seen some value in you, huh? Eh? I hope so. <laughs> so um, where do you, do you do your uh, research from home? Uh, yeah. I, Is that all web-based research? Um, it's hard to divide it. A lot of my research I do do at home, but I bring back books from the library. They have some great records yeah. at the library, but there are a lot of archives online, international yeah. archives. Um, there's a place called the Wellcom Trust yes, in England, and I'm meant to be doing something with a manuscript they passed on to me, but it's in Latin, so I have to learn Latin first. Yeah, well, that's not a small task. No, but I do like languages. Um, I I can speak Portuguese and some Spanish. What's your heritage? Um, I'm Australian English. I know okay. a lot of people sort okay. of mistake me for no, something you, you, else. You've done those two Latin-y sort of languages, yeah. so I just wondered if maybe you know, mother, grandmother, who knows? Yeah. Um, maybe way back yeah, somewhere. Sure. But so you got sick. Yes. What's wrong? Uh, I have something called chronic fatigue syndrome. Yep. Uh, it has a couple of other names, but that's the one that I use because it most accurately describes my condition. Is it chronic? Does it fatigue you? Both. And it's a syndrome because the cause is not known and so it can't be called a disease. Ah, is that the difference between a syndrome and a disease? Yes. Um, okay. So how does that impact on your life? You know, you're a... You're an attractive young woman who's <laughs> Thank you. sounds like you've been nailed to a wall by, by this condition. How, how does it impact? How does it impact on your world? Uh, everything. Everything I do. Sometimes I, I don't know what you call it, I misbehave. I do what I want to do instead of what I should be doing, and I get away with it for a little bit. Right. And What's that, a day? A week? It really, really does depend. Okay. Um, I don't think I could get away with it for a week. Say for, say for several hours, tops, so one day maybe. Yeah. And then I sort of suffer a payback where the next day and maybe the next week or even the next month I'm, I'll be affected adversely. I'll be more fatigued or more inclined to have headaches, to feel unwell, um, to be overstimulated by things. So, so take me through it. I, I know nothing. I've heard of it. I know that a lot of people suffer from it, but I don't know anything about it. How does it impact? How does it? Well, I can't tell you everything. Sure. Um, I certainly don't know everything about it. Uh, everyone's symptoms vary. Right. Although there's sort of a spectrum. Okay, but for you, how, how does it manifest in your world, for personal me, world? Um, it's the reason why I live here. It's so close to my work and right. my study. Um, and it's a small place, so you don't have a lot of work keeping it clean? No. I don't. Um, unfortunately, I'm not so great with managing that on top of everything else. So uh, a wonderful lady called Maria um, comes and helps me out Is that correct? every now and then. Yeah. Uh, it's why I study part-time yeah. because there's no way that I could do what most uni students do from my background would do it. 
you know, uh, to study full-time and then to work part-time to support themselves to leave near uni and have a social life and, you know, go out and have, you know, a drink or something on the week. That No way can I do that. Although I do get to do a lot of things. Right. Um, I've started noticing how much I do get to do, which is kind of nice. Um, the fact that you do it or the fact that you notice that you do it? Uh, both. I find it difficult to concentrate. Mm-hmm. I didn't used to. I used to be a very high achiever academically. Okay, so you were one of the best at school? Uh, yeah. But top end? Sort of by default. I mean, largely because I love to read um, rather than love to do work. Uh, and that just had yeah. positive benefits, and that's down to my mum. I find it hard to keep a thread of a conversation going because of it so far. You're doing well so far. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really, um, I, it's sort of like I've been set back about 20 years. I have the immunity of a three-year-old. I get Do you get sick easily? Everything, yeah. Um, so if you do go to uni in the middle of winter, you're almost certain to get a cold. Oh, yeah, and, and I really suffer the cold um, and the heat quite badly too. I can't do extremes. Um, I can't be stimulated too much visually. Um, even things with a pattern will distract me and give me a headache. Right. Um, what about going to the movies? Difficult. I really do love going, and I do go quite frequently. For me, anyway, say once a week. Um, it helps because it's in a darkened area. That's one thing to concentrate on. I don't have to talk to people. I find it difficult to talk to more than one person in Angora. I try be sitting down um, frequently. If I have a visitor, I'll be lying down. Um, right. So yes. you're, you're sitting up, I should feel on it. <laughs> um, and it's a good day. Too. It's a good day. So why is it a good day today? Uh, I slept in until one thirty. <laughs> okay, and it's now sitting on a close to four, so yeah, you had a yeah. good sleep in. Yeah. So how much do you sleep? Um, originally, I didn't sleep at all. Uh, it was a big problem. Oh, when you first got sick? Yes. Wow, that would uh, break it worse, wouldn't it? Yeah, it made it plenty worse. I had unrefreshing sleep when I did sleep. So when I woke up, it didn't feel like I had slept. Um, And that very, very slowly changed. And there was a click over sometime last year, early last year. I think when I got here as well, I could set up a routine. I wasn't commuting because I used to live... In the Blue Mountains, and okay. I travel for about four hours every day. Not good. Not good if you've no. got this condition. I mean, trains are good to sleep on, but it's not... It's not restful sleep. No. no. So how much do you sleep now? Now, um... Do you need six or eight hours, like most people oh, do? Or do you need to be up around 12, if 15? I, if I want to have a good day, I want to have 12 hours sleep. That just doesn't happen, though. Um, I have a... A bad habit. I can't let go of the day uh, until it's over, and that's I've had it since I can remember. Are you so, a hard worker? Yeah, um, I guess I am. I'm trying not to be though, because I don't think it's a particularly good idea. It's more about stubbornness, as far as I'm concerned. I think. Are you a stubborn person? Y- yes, <laughs> I definitely am. 
I find it hard to let go of things. And that's why it's been hard being sick as well. Um, Have you been stubborn about getting your health back? How do you you express stubbornness with this condition? It's hard to just take in the fact that I was sick. Really, really hard. Uh, It took me ages. And then when I realised I I didn't want to be, and I kind of refused it in a way. And I know I still do. Not as much, though, um, because I seem to have gotten used to it in some respects, better at managing it, that kind of thing. So life isn't as difficult as it used to be, although it's still frustrating because I'm limited in where I can go, what I can do, who I can see and for how long. And I'm limited by my enjoyment because you don't enjoy very much when you're very tired. Mm. I don't know if you've stayed up really late Mm. having to, I don't know, chase a deadline, something like that, and you're just pushing it and pushing it, and you get to the point where you trade off getting the deadline with how absolutely terrible you feel. So when I'm tired, I'm just maybe an hour or so before that. Um, and then when I'm really tired, I just stop functioning. Mm. Um, it's like my batteries have died. And do you always stop functioning here at home or have you stopped functioning on a train or in a car or sitting at uni? Earlier on, um, yeah, all of those places. What happens? Do you just stop? Um, I have to sit down. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't fall down. I haven't fainted. Although it's been possible. That's just because I've been around good people. Yeah. Who've made and they've always looked after you, got you back home. Yeah. Got you into bed sort of thing. That's people have been really great about that sort of immediate necessity. Yeah. Um How was it diagnosed? How did it manifest first in your life? Uh, I had something I thought was the flu and then it was really terrible and it went for too long. And then I was sort of in that post-viral state where you're still fairly weak, but you're getting on with things, you're feeling better. So I went back to uni and worked harder. And, um, to make up for the time that you'd lost, probably. Yeah, it was a mistake. Yeah. I can't remember a lot of it, really. It, it's funny. It's sort of like trying to remember a dream and what sequence it happened in. Um, the semester ended... I got sick again when I went away. I went to visit an aunt of mine who's absolutely lovely up the coast, Uh, but it was really hectic there. There were lots of pets and there were my little cousins and people needed to be babysat and we went out and so I I got sick again. Um, And it was like that. Every time I tried to do something, I'd get sick in a big way. And then a couple of months later, I was diagnosed with having glandular fever. Right. And then I said... Which is often a precursor, I think, yeah, isn't it? It's, they, yeah. And all they confuse it. It's either the same or complicates it all somehow. It seems to be wrapped up they in it. They think it's a trigger. Um, ah. I, I don't know if it's meant to be a cause. I don't I don't know if it is the cause. But Anybody else in your family had uh, uh, My aunt. Um, not the one I visited. Right. Another one who's also very lovely. I have great aunts. You like your aunts, <laughs> Yeah. Um, she's had it for, I think she said about 30 years. Um, and just struggled on. I, I'm not sure if it's struggling for her anymore. She really seems to be 
quite on top of it. She's quite smart about it. She's a very intelligent woman. Uh, and she's helped me a fair bit with this because I didn't even know that she had it before I got sick. Okay. I mean, we'd see each other fairly regularly. There'd be family gatherings. Um, I knew that she was a little bit more uh, sedate than my other extended family members whenever I met them. But I, I didn't click and no one said anything. And then I found out when more or less when I found out I had this because I was living near her uh, for a brief time and she sort of gave me all of this useful stuff but I was so sick I didn't take it in and I kept it but I put it away. Um, she's very graceful with it mm. and I would like to be so graceful with it. Um, she told me, I asked her, um, about being happy and sick and she told me that a lot of her frustration had come from wanting all of those things she'd expected and was trying to get done and sort of living for tomorrow and she said she just wanted to be happy now. Oh. Um, so what she's let go is chasing the future and just went for living now. Um, it's a bit of both. Because being this kind of sick means you have to be organised because tomorrow you won't enjoy your now if you're not organised. Sure. Um, sure. But, so you prepare for tomorrow but now. Be, be happy at this moment because there's no guarantee that I'm going to get better or worse. There's no guarantee for anything really except for I'll wake up tomorrow. So... It's, I'd always been a little sceptical of the concept of living for now. It seemed not forward-thinking enough. It was too simplistic. I was a little cynical about it. In some sense, I still am. But the weird thing is, that's what I tend to do anyway, regardless of myself, despite myself. I have to... Uh, enjoy what I'm doing right now, otherwise it's not worth it. Um, so is that, is that almost like a philosophy that you've learnt because of this? It's almost instinctual. Ah. Um, and it's practically necessary because of my illness. Because if I'm tired, I'm not really going to enjoy anything. So I have to put myself in a position where I will enjoy, where I will be relaxed, where I will have good company where things will be beautiful, and I'll feel better, um, even though essentially my body will still be sick. Right. So So when I said to you, do you want to do this today, and you said, I'm feeling good, Yeah. let's do it. Yeah. It was a case of read the moment. Yeah. Make the decision, let's do it. Yeah. And I don't really get to make many spontaneous decisions. Sure. So when I get the chance to, I, I do. Where do you said before that the future you don't really know, basically, I'm paraphrasing, you said, you know, don't know if it's going to get worse or if it's going to get better. Mm. Is that the way you live? Um, on the edge of things. <laughs> 
I don't have a very good grasp of structure anymore, unfortunately, and that's in small to the big. So when I'm writing an essay to how I'm planning my life in several years' time, I can only expect to keep on studying and hopefully to keep on working. Um, and that's more or less what I plan for. Uh, I I can't go further than that. I can't say I'm going to buy a house or I have a five-year plan or... But are you... Are you looking at moving towards those things, assuming that things continue in a particular way that you wish for? Well, I was thinking about it just the other day and I realised that if I let it, my life will pass me by while I'm waiting to get better again and I'll get to the end of it and I won't have done anything that I wanted to do that I was saving for when I was going to get better. And so I started making a list and I realised a couple of things that I, I didn't even realise I wanted to do before because there are so many wonderful things in the world and places to go, people to meet. I realised I wanted to see Monet's house. I didn't even know that I wanted to do that before. This is the artist, Monet. Yeah. And because I didn't know before, it made me happy in a very particular way because it gave me something to work towards. And I haven't had something that I've wanted to work towards for a while. Because you've been waiting to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And that is... And so trying to be happy for now, <laughs> I, uh, I think I'll be happier in the future as well. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That you just described um, um, the very essence of living in the now. <laughs> that that was philosophically a really profound thing. It you know, sounds so cheesy, though. I no, feel so corny when. But but what you've what you've just described is you can't plan for tomorrow. Mm. But because you don't know how you're going to feel, but no. today you can act as though there's going to be a tomorrow, and. And do it now with that excitement and anticipation that tomorrow will unfold properly for you. Mm. That's profound. It's optimistic. What is this condition teaching you? Because it's not over yet and I maybe might have to come back and see you in five years and (laughs) (laughs) make a little catch-up episode. Uh, It's taught me don't underestimate people. You have no idea what's going on in their life when you meet them casually, even properly. Even if they reveal something of themselves to you, there is always more. And you shouldn't assume that you know. Unfortunately, I manage to forget this on a regular basis. But every now and then I catch myself in time uh, before saying something or asking something that would otherwise show, I don't know, a not-so-great appreciation for other people and their situations. Everyone has something going on with them. And if they don't today, then they might tomorrow. So you should probably treat them as best as you can. Are you finding you're treating people a lot better? 
or are you finding people are treating you a lot better? Uh, people, unfortunately, aren't treating me a lot better. It'd be very nice if they did. Um, some Do they have difficulty understanding your condition? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know. That's one reason why I'm doing this, by the way. <laughs> That's one reason why I'm doing this. Um, people do have problems with it. Um, it used to make me feel quite hopeless. Now it makes me feel a little frustrated. Uh, and it's when I feel inclined to say not nice things to people. Well, but again, it's when they're operating by assumption and fair enough. And so it's not my job to go around telling people how they should treat other people. It's something you have to learn for yourself. Um, but if someone takes for granted my ability, I let them know that that's what they're doing. It's an easy mistake to make. I walked in and I saw, you know, a slim, attractive, healthy, vibrant personality. <laughs> and seeing you walk down the street, Without knowing this, oh no, no, people don't know. Could you know, make you know if you had a leg missing, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, it would. And initially, I used to sort of play this game of trading off, where I'd say, "You can have one of my arms, just so long as I was healthy," or maybe one of my feet. No, no, not one of my feet. Maybe some toes and some fingers, <laughs> that kind of thing. And 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 I still kind of do it in a way. Um, but it's become more fun. It's sort of been along the lines of what I want to do and what I can do. So I sort of say things like, well, I can stay sick if I can just live by the beach for a few years, or I can stay sick just so long as I get to eat this next Christmas because my diet's restricted too. Stuff like that, so it makes it easier and, I guess, more fun. So where would you like to take this now? Take this? Me? This? Yeah. <laughs> this, this thing called your life oh, uh, that you've signed up for, for whatever reason. I'd like to go travelling. <laughs> That's really, really difficult because there are all sorts of things out there that can affect my health adversely. I mean... Sometimes it's hard enough going down the street, but I know I want to go, and I I have to. I can't I can't live without having done that. Um, so the next. So do you do you have a bit of a bit of a timeline? Uh, like I said, it's hard to. Sure, and no, I appreciate that. Are you hoping for next year, this year, five years? Um, maybe after I've finished uni. Okay. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, after I finished uni, because I wouldn't want to jeopardise my education. When will that be? Uh, End of next year? Two, three years. Okay. Because of part-time. Sure. Yeah, so in a few years. I don't doubt that you'll do it, because... Can I just tell you something sure. for a second? It's really great when people say that, but it's also really worrying because I have to harbour necessary doubt about my ability. And today I'm having a good day. So you can say, well, looking at her and maybe how determined she is or how certain she is, you know, she'll be able to do it. 
But that's a difficult part because when it's days like these, that's when people say something like that. And tomorrow, if I have a bad day, those people might come to me again or call me or talk to me and say, but you were, you know, you were great yesterday. You were, and I'll say, yeah, but today's not a great day. So, and if my plans, whatever they are, coincide with a not great day, week, month, year, and I've had bad years, um, it won't happen. And today, if someone said, okay, we're going to go traveling today, I'll say, all right, great, I'll just go grab my passport. But tomorrow or the day after that, I'll just say, well, sorry, I know I said that, and I knew that's what I really, really wanted, and it's still what I want, but it's not going to happen. So I have to be able to let it go as well. Thank you for telling me that, because that's a mistake we all make, don't we? We all make those mistakes of wishing people well and actually creating more stress in their life. Yeah, and you know, it's not such a mistake, it's more um, pleasant, reasonable expectation of things to come. There are eight million stories in the naked city. This has been one of them.